In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The great reformer Martin Luther once said, The thirst for glory is not ended by satisfying it, but rather by extinguishing it. We all have a thirst for glory in our own sort of ways, getting good grades or getting fit. For some of us, it's the classics of money, power, and fame. And some, or I would say most, or even all of us, uh, we even glorify virtue and piety and charity these days, never missing an opportunity to broadcast our acts of kindness and altruism out into the world. Or simply that we're on the right side of an issue is something that we are often very quick to let people become aware of. We're all guilty of pursuing glory and trying to win at life in one way or another. And uh, we see this at play in the passage from the gospel this week. In this passage, two of the disciples, they really show us their hand. James and John come to Jesus, and in ridiculous fashion, they say to Jesus, we have a small request, do whatever we ask. And Jesus, I'm sure standing there rolling his eyes, asks what they want. And the disciples ask to be given seats of honor at Jesus' right and left hand. They ask to be put in a place of glory. But Jesus simply, and I would say kind of kindly, responds, you don't know what you're asking. They think they're asking for a place of power, to be in the inner circle of Jesus, who they think is on the way to rule as a powerful king, and they want to be his right and his left-hand man. But Jesus tells them, you don't know what you're asking for. I'm on my way to display my glory and my power, but I won't be sitting on a throne. Instead, I'll be hanging on a cross with a criminal on my right and on my left hand. Your idea of glory and Jesus' true display of power are two completely different things, Jesus is saying. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, Jesus says. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This pursuit of glory and winning at life, we might call it, is a universal experience. We all do it, as I said, in our own sort of ways, but at its root, the desire for glory comes from a place of pride, I think. Yes, we want to be admired and loved, but we want to be so for our own achievements, for our own successes, and in ways that set us apart as anything but ordinary. We want to be seen as self-sufficient, I think so well-rounded and put together that we don't need help from anyone else. Instead, others will come to us for help and maybe even ask, how can I become more like you? There's something really funny and almost ironic about what goes on here with the disciples, because even in their pursuit of glory here, even in their attempt to find their way to the top, they still have to come to Jesus and ask for his help. So much for self-sufficiency. I went to an all-male college where there was a definite culture, and I'm not sure that I would attribute that culture to the school itself or its administration, but there was a definite culture among the student body of clearly defining in one way or another what it means to become a man. And more often than not, what that looked like was becoming someone who was wise enough and strong enough and hopefully eventually wealthy enough to care for themselves and the people closest to them. Now, in many ways, there's nothing wrong with that, but quickly that in and of itself, this pursuit, that can become the ultimate goal in life. 
the pursuit of being recognized as a successful, self-sustained, and sufficient, powerful, and glorious person. And I quickly fell into this mindset as a college student, as many of us do, well, in just about any chapter of our lives. And I got into argument after argument um, about who was the greatest among us uh, with my friends, much like the disciples in another passage from Scripture. And one night my freshman year uh, quickly comes to mind, the sort of uh, tale of this uh, falling, uh, of me eventually falling flat on my face, literally and figuratively. My friend Luke and I, we were walking home from a party with a group of friends, and as we often did, we began to argue. Luke and I have been friends since kindergarten, and so we were pretty much like brothers in many ways. And like brothers, we often got into disputes over who was the better, honestly, you fill in the blank, the better athlete, who, who was smarter, which was uh, not a question of who was the better student. There's an important distinction to be made there. Um, and ultimately, who was the more impressively, who was the person more impressively in control of their lives? We would argue uh, with one another and often in front of other people attempting to sort of embarrass the other. And as we argued, like most mature 19-year-old men, we began to wrestle. And uh, I ended up flipping off the sidewalk and into the woods and into what turned out to be an enormous patch of poison ivy. And so in the midst of this conversation or argument and eventual wrestling match about who was the greatest and who was uh, the most self-sufficient man, as we like to say at my college, um, I ended up with my right forearm being twice as big as my left forearm, swollen with poison ivy to the extent that I had to call my mom and Luke's mom and get a prescription called in and I had to miss school and I had to be cared for and tended to because I sort of pathetically and embarrassingly was in a wrestling match with a friend in a patch of poison ivy. And I proved myself to be a foolish person not very uh, much in control of my life. I did not find myself in a place of glory that day, needless to say. More often than not, the pursuit of glory that we all find ourselves in, uh, the pursuit of self-sufficiency and high status, these pursuits result in something that feels and looks like failure. And that's just life. And what we experience in those moments is a feeling of helplessness, the opposite of glory. We experience the feeling of being stuck and uh, and we find ourselves in the place of needing a gracious hand to deliver us from ourselves. Jesus summarizes the entire gospel message in the closing verse of this passage, declaring that he came not to be served, not to be worshipped, not to be set up at the end of the table for us to honor and emulate, not to show us a path to glory. No, Jesus came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The key word here is ransom. When a ransom is involved, when a ransom is paid, it serves the purpose of releasing someone from a situation that they can't get themselves out of on their own, like being ransomed from being kidnapped. To say that he, Jesus, is our ransom is to say that he is our salvation from the disappointing reality of just how stuck we are. And that's precisely what Jesus did on the cross. Delivering us from the bondage of sin and death, Jesus rescues us over and over again from our futile search for glory. 
As Luther put it, Jesus extinguishes our very desire for glory by giving us the wonderful status of his redeemed and beloved child. It's not your glory that will make you feel whole, Jesus is reminding us. It's not your glory that will sustain you, heal your relationships, or finally make you happy. And that's good news because the reality is that either the glory that you are seeking you'll never find, or if you do, it'll be painfully fleeting. Instead, what will make you whole, what will sustain you and give you hope and maybe even joy amidst the suffering and the celebrations of life, what will provide you that is the ridiculous and scandalous truth of the cross. As St. Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The cross replaces our glory stories and makes us part of its story. The cross becomes our story. You're no longer just Steve or Janice or Paul or Sally. You're someone whose very life was saved because someone else, someone blameless, lovingly sacrificed their very own life for you. That's the story that you carry with you throughout your life. That's the story, the identity, the true glory, if you will, that has consumed you, and is who you now are. This is what Jesus declares to be glorious, the sinless servant, serving humanity by hanging upon a cross, atoning for the sins of all of us glory seekers out there. Our true glory, it turns out, is found in his death and in his resurrection. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.